Shalom Aleichem, on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to take 10 for Talmud. Babakama Chavtes, Babakama 29b, pagination is 58, dealing with different cases of bor, the form of damage that's like a pit. And there are a lot of considerations here, because fundamentally we understand that a person will not necessarily be the owner of the pit the way he's the owner of the animal that does damage. If a person were to dig a pit in Rishas Harabim, the public area, we're not claiming that he suddenly owns that part of the road. On the contrary, I imagine if he owns that part of the road, he could turn around and say, well, if I own it, then I'm allowed to have this pit here. We're not saying that. The land certainly remains public land, if that's what it was before. But nevertheless, he may very well be liable under the category of bar. Likewise, if a person takes shards or thorns, and puts them in a public area. He is not the owner. These were discarded shards of pottery or thorns. But if he's purposely putting them in the public area, he could very well be obligated to pay for the damages done under the category of bar, even though it's not really his. And we need to understand that. We have a famous quote about midway on the page, a third of the way down. There are two things that are not in a person's possession. And the Torah makes it as if they're his. And they are a pit in the public area. It's not his, but it's his liability. And chametz from six hours and on, it's not his, it's ownerless, the Torah has declared it forbidden, but nevertheless, he's liable for it as if he's owning it if he doesn't take action necessary to nullify it or destroy it, etc., there is a flip case, different type of application of bar, which is quite intriguing. Consider a case brought in Shulchan Aruch, Simon Tafyud Beis, of a person who digs a pit in his own land, and then he makes his land ownerless. He donates it to the public. So now, the pit was dug in an acceptable manner, because at that time it was his, and no one has any business coming in there. He's got his irrigation irrigation ditch, and now he makes it ownerless, he donates it to the public, so then people are going to start walking there, using it like parkland, and now someone falls into the pit. So it literally at one point belonged to him, but now it doesn't belong to him. Or consider a case where a person tripped baones, total accident is the way we're defining this fall, 
of this person, and an item fell, cracked, and after he had time to clean it up, it did damage. Even though he makes those shards ownerless, and he fell, Baones, they were introduced to this location by accident, but there very well may be liability under the name Bar, because the item may no longer be his, but the Torah makes it his for purposes of liability. Now, the Gemara entertains another case, midway on the page, midway on the line, Hofeich es ha-golol, a person who lifts, we'll translate simply right now, manure in Rishus Harabim. So one person had it there. Perhaps they were trying to make fertilizer. The animals step on it. It makes it more developed and usable as fertilizer. And now someone else got damaged on it. Chayev Benisko, he's going to be obligated to pay. For Omar Rabbi Lozer, and in this particular case, Rabbi Lozer says, The only reason the second person who lifted the manure is going to be Chayev is because he wanted to acquire it. But if he didn't try to acquire it, he would be absolved, the second person would not be obligated. Omar Ravada Baravo, Ravada Baravo explained, Sheikh Zira Lemukoma, because the person picked it up, he put it in the exact same place again. So let's picture this case. A guy is walking down the street, he has a shovel. He sees some manure that looks like it would really do a good job on his flower pot. So he lifts it with his shovel and puts it down. He says, I'm putting it down. Okay. So the ruling, Rabbi says, is if he was miskavin Lizkos, if he intended to acquire it, so then it's his. If he didn't intend to acquire it, so then Ravada Barava says, listen, he put it down in the exact same place, what's the difference? The first person is liable, second person who just picked it up and put it right down is not liable. Omar Ravina, Ravina said, you know why Ravada Barava understands Rabbi Lozer that you're going to be potter in such a case? Because it's compared to Lemotzebar Megula, a person finds an open pit, and he covered it, and then he uncovered it. So really the original pit is still there from the first person, and therefore if he doesn't intend to acquire it, even though he covered it, and it's not dangerous anymore, but when he uncovers it, he's just bringing back the original danger, he's not doing anything new. Marzutra objected, and he said, Midomi, it's not comparable. Over there, in your case, the original person's pit remained. You covered it, 
So you were guarding from the pit, people from the pit, and now you uncovered it, so you're no longer guarding people or animals, people from getting damaged by this pit. But over here, by the manure, istalik, once he lifts it, it's no longer dangerous to anyone. And when he puts it down, he's creating a new pit. Hello, dummy. If you want to make a comparison, it's Lamotzibar Megula Vatimima, a person who dug a pit and someone else comes and finds the pit and stuffs it up. The Chaza Vachofra and then digs it anew. They removed the first danger and now it's attributable to him in its entirety. And the thinking right now would be that the person who lifted the manure should be liable even if he didn't intend to acquire it. There should be a full-fledged liability on the second person because he removed the danger and now reintroduced it to the public. Ella Amar Ravashi, Ravashi explained what was Rabbalosa's comment, only if he intends to acquire it, but otherwise he's not fundamentally liable, even though he picked up the manure and put it back down. Kishahav chalapachas mishlosha because he flipped it, he lifted it, lower than three tfachim. And normally, an act of acquisition is when you lift it three tfachim, three hand breaths, for argument's sake, uh, ten inches. So Rav Ashi is saying that when Rabbi Loza said you intended to acquire it, it's because you didn't lift it that high. So, as Rashi says, Lav Hagbohi, it's not considered a significant lifting. It's as if the pit remained open the entire time. And it was never closed. Omar Rava, skipping three lines, Rava explained, Masnisin Kashise, Rav Ashi understood this from the very words of the Mishnah. My irya hafach, why was the word hafach used? Lisni higbiya. Why don't you just say he lifted it? What's the significance of this word hafach? Which means he flipped it. It's a much more gentle form of lifting. Lashmami no kalhefach lamata mishloshahu. When we say someone was hafach something, he just, you know, like by a pancake, you flip it over. That's what he did. He flipped it over. Not that he did what we would describe as a true act of lifting. Now, this principle that Rava attributes to Rav Ashi's reasoning and gave Rav Ashi insight in Rav Lazar is all based on a concept that Hafach that word is lamata mishlosha. It's a much more gentle form of lifting something. You're just moving it. You're flipping it. That concept comes up 
in at least two places in a very phenomenal way. We have a statement in Avos, You should be mapich in Torah. The description over there is not the heavy lifting. The person already learned. He knows a lot of Torah. But that gentle analysis of moving things around in the brain and continuing to compare them and analyze them and look at them from a new angle, that's hafacha. Another example of where this is very significant is in the expression Oni Mahapich Bacharora. We had it in Kiddushin Nuntes, I believe. If a person is trying to acquire a specific property, so at a certain point, other people are not allowed to interfere under certain parameters. Choshem Mishpat Reish Lamed Zayin, the Ramah writes that it's only in a case where the Mechusarim Kenyan. They just didn't quite finish. But if there's still mechusarim psika, if they still haven't come to an agreement of price, then that's not a violation of ania mahapich bacharora. Mahapich means that they're down to the details to work it through. Very little details. Just like, you know, the Kenyan and on what day are we going to do the Kenyan or something like that. But if they're still arguing about big things like price, that's not mahapich bacharora. That's still the equivalent philosophically would be magbia. He's doing something big still. It's when you're down to the nuance, and that's this Gemara as well. Rabbi said it's only if you had kavana to be kona this, because mahapich means you're not lifting it three tfachim. You didn't make a significant hagbar yet, and therefore it's only if you were mechavein, according to Rabbi Lozer. Yeshikoach, thank you for joining.